2: Hey, yeah. yeah, I feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter.
1: This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And today's show will be part one of a two-part episode with Britt Robson. I haven't even told you that we're going to split this up into two parts. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna all we're gonna record it all the way through, but you and I can't ever seem to go you know forty-five minutes or less. So we'll, we'll we'll turn it into into two parts here. But Britt Robson of the Athletic is is my guest. We're gonna kind of we're gonna kind of talk all things you know Timberwolves preseason I guess just kind of getting our thoughts down a little bit before everything I think our perception I I know your perception might not I think my perception might change a little bit um based on what we see in these preseason games which I understand sounds kind of stupid it's just been so long since we've seen the Timberwolves play are you Britt are you expecting to learn anything on Saturday from the Timberwolves against the Grizzlies or on Monday or are we still just flying blind?
2: Well, I mean, I think when a blind man encounters an elephant after a year, uh, you know, the, the first feelings of, of that skin uh, are obviously gonna promote a tremendous amount of uh, analysis, uh, seeming recognition, um, you know, I mean, I think it's gonna be incredibly significant only because it is the beginning of genuine perspective there's no genuine perspective. I mean, our genuine perspective is nine months old, and in that time, there's been a phenomenal amount of carnage, uh, both in terms of you know roster, in terms of illness, in terms of uh, situations, uh, in terms of you know all kinds of things. So, you know, I warned you. I think just before we, we, we came on that, I'm going to state just right up front. That there hasn't been an NBA basketball season, and this goes double for teams that weren't in the bubble, like the Timberwolves, that is more shrouded in uncertainty and more uh, check marked with, you know, ignorance. I mean, we don't know. We literally don't know very much. Uh, we can, right. you know, guess on what happened uh, in the ensuing nine months, and we can make, you know, we can speculate. And I'm I'm all for it. You know, I mean I will expose my biases by what I say, as will anybody who talks about the Tim right now. But I think that's good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that let's give, you know, fans credit for understanding that everybody's flying blind now, and you can have your opinions on anything and some of them will come true.
1: It does feel like that this team is maybe flying the most blind, honestly, of all the thirty it's, teams. Without a doubt. Given like the the roster and how little they the guys who were on the roster last year played together not to mention there's a whole new kind of crop of guys who will probably be in the rotation this year I mean I just kind of started going down the rabbit hole of the teammates that Carl Anthony Towns currently has that he's ever played with I mean it's it's an insanely insanely small number of games he's ever played with Ricky Rubio is the by the only player on, on the team that by far he's played. He's the only far. player on the team. He's played a hundred more than a hundred games with. That's right. And then, and you get, and you get past Culver and it's just nothing, right? You know, it's, it's like Malik Beasley or Jake Lehman or, or something like that, where it's, you know, a couple hundred minutes here and there. So.
2: And then there's Cat himself. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last time we, we were talked to by Cat you know, um, mm-hmm he did not evince much desire to play basketball. Um, And so I, you know, that's going to be huge. You know, to what extent that was an outlier emotion, to what extent that is a chronic emotion, to what extent that comes and goes. I mean, Ryan Saunders, I think, said it really well when he said grief is not a linear process. So this will be a thing that fades in and out of the Timberwolves season and will be another thing that will uh, cloud how we can view what this team has right now.
1: Cat is is the single thing most shrouded in mystery right now mm-hmm. of, you know, obviously not his fault. It, oh, no, right, right. His, I think his own ma- mental makeup right now is a mystery to him, probably, as I would imagine it would be after losing a parent and yet here he is presented with you know a 30 some million dollar check to come back and start playing basketball which um every indication is he will uh whether or not his he's all the way ready there again i don't know if he knows i don't know if anybody right really knows but but he will be playing basketball and and that i mean everything it, it's all it, cat is the cat is the barometer of this team so so if he is mysterious then the team inherently is mysterious but there is also a world even you know given his comments whatever that the way he plays will be even better i think most people are taking it to be that you know, he's struggled so much. Basketball is in therapy, et cetera, et cetera. And they're kind of almost projecting the assumption that he's going to be understandably worse. And I don't think we know that either. That's I think right. there's there's a chance that it could certainly, the pendulum could swing the other way where Cat really does make the proverbial leap. Now, is that is that the 70% outcome? No, it's probably the opposite side of that. But it's within the realm of possibilities,
2: Without and, doubt.
1: Not, and not just 1% or 2%. So I guess basketball-wise, what will you be watching for from Cat and what do you think you will see, whether it's these preseason games or just kind of the beginning of the season?
2: Well, I mean, I think what I will be watching for is um, an attempt at regulation, an attempt at being able to um, take things – a step at a time. Um, the way I've begun to look at this thing, because, you know, it, it is so important, and it is so fraught with misinterpretation, um, unfounded blame, uh, resentment, uh, or on the flip side, you know, um, heroic uh or something, you know, this is a phenomenally difficult situation without precedent. there really isn't anybody in nba history that has lost six or seven whether you call them close friends or relatives or whatever within a nine month period there just isn't and what i have decided is the best way to look at it is that this is should be treated like an injury this is a grief injury and um as a result it's one of those injuries that like a a physical injury that you don't really know you know that is one of those things that has a a,
1: timetable tbd
2: a a really wide variety of outcomes and um i personally would like to know and am working at quite frankly you know to set up a column on this hopefully of trying to find out what the wolves have in place in terms of supports is Kat seeing a grief counselor about this? Will they have structures in place so that it isn't up to Kat necessarily? He obviously has a huge say in it, but he doesn't have the final say as to whether he plays or not, because he may wanna get up on the court faster than he should at this time, or he may um, be feeling in such a way that he doesn't, he's not aware of, of what he's like. and I guess one of the one of the things I would cite for this caution, uh, uh, you know, when I was uh, looking up, you know, NBA grief and some of this other stuff the other day, I came across a um, a story that Ben Goliver, who had just moved to the Washington Post at that time earlier this year, had wrote had written about uh, Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving said, "My tenure with the Celtics was." Irreparably blemished. I mean, by my grief over my grandfather died. You know, that's that's one relative, and and the Kyrie, you know, call what you will, lack of leadership or or inability to connect with teammates or whatever, was extraordinary in terms of uh, torpedoing that season for the Celtics. Um, I don't know if Kyrie was engaging in revisionist history, you know, or whatever.
1: Right. Right. But, That's but what I, yeah.
2: what I do know is that um, the NBA called off a game between the Clippers and the Lakers because Kobe Bryant died two or three days before, you know, um, <laughs> there. how innocent that sounds now, you know, I mean, now we have a situation where, you know, People's mothers and uncles and good friends are dying. and uh, and you know, again, you know me, I'm somebody who just prefers to concentrate on the games and talk about basketball. I don't want to necessarily talk about this in, in many respects because I, I literally can't know what I'm talking about. Nobody can know what they're talking about when it comes to this. So um, I think my take on this, is there needs to be some kind of arbiter you know somebody who is uh well versed in the in the process of grief and yeah there's a lot of you know you've got uh ryan you've got ricky rubio you've got a lot of people who you know anthony edwards you got a lot of people who have been affected by this but everybody is very very different and and i would argue that cat Kat couldn't see his mother as his mother died. You know, somebody who was with my parents, both of my parents when they died, that was a phenomenally important part of my grief process. Being able to hold their hand and watch them go was absolutely essential to my healing. And so being deprived of that and then living under a microscope and then having all these other things happen, um, there needs to be some kind of... uh, it can't be that you wing it. You see how things go as it goes along, and I, you know, given the, the the reputation of the front office, I I don't think that's what they will do. I think, you know, and it's one of the reasons I've got a request in to talk to Gerson about this stuff, you know, to find out what what kind of is in place uh, because it's important.
1: No, I think that's interesting. I, I Chris uh, Chris Hein came on the. The, the pod last week and i i don't think we talked about it while we were recording but afterwards we stayed on for a little bit and he he brought up his you know robert covington story and mm-hmm. and chris when he wrote that story he sat down with cub for like over an hour and i remember i remember i was in the media room with him and he he left and came back and he goes i think i asked cub three questions and he talked for a total of 60 minutes to me you know and and he was just chris was talking about what what that that process of depression was like for him and, and and the pangs of it it literally I mean connecting it to this organization and how at least in Cove's experience Ryan was important in that process. Right. Ryan was important in in directing in directing Cov to go seek, you know, counseling in that sort of way. And I think that's in part Ryan being a emotionally aware individual, but also based on experience of I'm certain Ryan dealt with his own, you know, depressive thoughts after losing his father. and like most people, probably only found steps to growth once he started having an infrastructure in place to talk about it and to and to process those emotions because you know, i I, I think suffrage right it just like in the world is is non-linear like ryan said and it it becomes infected dependent upon the way you deal with it and it can be it can be something small um, like a breakup and it can be something as big as losing a parent you know and those those sort of things are resolved by the way you resolve them the, the grieving process there and so i'm you know, I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't think we're going to have great insight. I, I'm excited for your column. I don't think we're going to know a, a right. ton about what that is. We're going to have less access to Carl than ever before because we can't see him in person. We can't really do anything. We're not going to know. It's and I going think to that's be... a good thing.
2: You know, I mean, yeah. I I really do think at this point in time, um, I just think it's really important. This, I mean, I tweeted out something uh, after the last presser because I was – frustrated over the fixation on this and Cat wanted that fixation so in retrospect it probably was a good thing but I just think you know for us in the media taking the emotional pulse of Cat throughout the season just sounds uh, like the absolute wrong way to go. I want to talk basketball when he wants to talk basketball and make my judgments as best I can on that that's well put. But, I, but I don't think anybody can deny that um, that this season will always have an asterisk next to Kat's name, regardless of how it goes. You know, let's say he, he becomes really, really good. And he overcomes this, you know, uh, in, in a very, very positive manner and gets it behind him. Um, we don't, you know, grief and, and, And trauma and all this stuff is so squirrely that uh, you can't take anything to the bank until you're two or three years down the line from it, you know, to figure it out. Kyrie starts talking about this fairly recently, you know. Again, I don't know. Uh, All I know is, you know, when I I look at these things, I think there's the possibility that this is yet another thing that we have no idea about how this Timberwolves season is going to go. And, and then you add that on top of the other things that, you know, we were talking about before I, you know, threw this boulder in the middle of the pond um, is that, you know, we, we got a lot of, um, we got a lot of other question marks around. I mean, I actually thought today's presser was nice. Uh, Ryan actually said again, you know, uh, solid is enough. You know, the Vander, Mm -hmm. you know, the Vanderpool mantra that, Indicates to me that we're running back a lot of the same concepts on defense that they had last season, which he kind of hinted at before, you know, uh, talking about drop back schemes and this other stuff. Whenever I try to ask him directly about this, because let's face it, uh, defensive plans and how the team responds to them are another factor that are just going to be enormous in how this this season goes.
1: Let, I I I want to tran- transition into that, but but the one thing I will say just to kind of put put it out there is what I've been thinking about with Cat is any previous time at a micro or macro example where he's felt harmed or maimed his perception or just within. Within the course of an individual game, he reacts so boldly, so aggressively, so strongly. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen that in times where it feels like he's not getting in the calls. I think we saw that entering last season where he really heard and saw a dip in his perception around the league. And he came out angry playing and balling out at the beginning of last year. And so now is that aggression? Is that is that is that motivation? the right motivation to have will that lead to the best thing i i don't uh, that's what we don't know but i think you will see a motivated cat who is out there trying to shape the perception of this and trying to be really damn good i i think it i think it will look similar to last season
2: okay that way and again everything you say about the situation becomes fraught. I, I want to just say my, my permanent disclaimer on anything I talk about here is I don't know what I'm talking about. Cause I don't know what he's, no, me neither. Well, what he's going through. But I mean, I want that out there in case anybody wants to misinterpret anything I'm going to say moving forward. But what I would <laughs> like to see, what I would like to see is not the flash of anger or the, I'm going to show him. I want to see, when I I said the word regulation before, I wanna see a guy who's taking things in and saying, Mm -hmm. how can I be the best basketball player on this team? And that isn't done necessarily by grabbing the reins and boldly, you know, taking up the steed and grabbing your lance and riding through the NBA. Because inevitably when things don't work, then you're crushed. I mean, there. Think well, about, you get
1: what I'm saying with the, mediev- with I, the medieval times, I, I, you know, get, analogy is in line with what I with what I'm saying. I agree that that's what what I'm trying to say is. I think I do think probably regulated is would be the most effective. I'm just going off of it's been the grabbing of the reins thing in the past, right? Right. Oh, hey, this is a different circumstance.
2: I totally agree. And what we may see, we may see, forty and twenty and good defense one night and seven Mm -hmm. and nine and four fouls in 17 minutes another night and i guess what i'm again saying is um (laughs) both of them are on the grief spectrum probably you know
1: for sure and so uh
2: and so it it will remain really hard to quote on we we're in the business of judging basketball performance Well, now when we judge Carl Anthony Towns in the 2021 season, we're judging a guy who obviously is going through a shit ton of grief. So, (laughs) I mean, I don't feel great about that. (laughs) One way or the other.
1: Yeah. Let's move on to the defense because I also noted that um, today, Ryan saying solid is enough, which was – I believe in the story you wrote on David Vanderpool maybe when that, right. Right. That, when that adage really caught on.
2: Well, and and, I, I saw it on the board a few times. Um, yep. When I, you yep. know, right around the course of doing this. And for those who, who don't know the context, what that means is Vanderpool has basic defensive precepts and he does not want you to stray from them. He yep. wants you to be disciplined to the system in other words if the system is solid you have done your job uh it is the opposite of heroism heroism is something that he seeks to avoid on defense what vanterpool wants you to do it's analogous to me anyway of a um uh, linebackers and defensive linemen staying in their gaps so that cut sure. that cutbacks can happen or you know or whatever so um and, and 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 that makes sense. I, I again, I worry, of course, because this team defensively, um, you know, is bereft.
1: Wasn't good at that. Yeah. Well,
2: not that, but it's bereft of good defenders. Let's be honest. It, it's one of, on paper. It's one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA.
1: Right. And and so I think that's part of having a very conservative defensive scheme is to not ask players who can't do that much to do too much and to vanterpool and to saunders credit last year that very conservative defensive scheme was working at the beginning of the year right it stopped working after a while i think for two reasons one they hit some adversity and and teams were started having success against it which makes you question those conservative principles. I think if you're a player, when a guy just comes down and hits, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, they play the Warriors. D'Angelo Russell comes in and puts 50 on them because because solid is enough and yeah. we're going to give up 16-foot mid-range shots. you know. And then you start questioning that. Some of those things start going through your head. Secondly, I think it stopped working because it became very predictable. And once you are an NBA coach, who is like, all right, for the first twelve games of the season, we've seen how the Timberwolves defend. This is as conservative as a defensive scheme around Carl Anthony Towns as possible, then we kind of know what to do. You have a you have, you know, the good coaches are gonna be able to pick at that. So I think I think it was those things, obviously there's injuries, a whole gamut of weird stuff. But those things are very, very
2: left. much interrelated. If yep. if you know and Rosas told me this and one of the keys to the Vanderpool story. And I've said this before is Rosas saying what we want to do on defense is take away everything we want to do on offense. Okay. Well, what Great that, quote. Yeah. what that means is that, um, they are giving you the least desirable shots, but if you know in advance that they're giving you the least desirable shots, they can become infinitely more desirable. If D knows, that his signature move is a crossover, dribble, fake drive, pull up from 15 feet. And he's been doing it to the tune of like 38% covered or not covered. He can probably hit 45% of those um, right. uncovered. And then if they begin to react in any way, shape or form, you can move off that. You can play off that. You can kick things off. So I agree with you. I guess this is what I'm saying is I think they had a really good initial template. I think when they tried to expand on that initial template again injuries played a big part but um they're running it back it is my i mean my okay, view is who, they're running it back
1: who's good at who's good at this system because you said the team is terrible defense they have bad defensive right, players right. who on the team if you're trying to run out of obviously Jake Lehman is
2: good at it i mean he 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 was under Vanterpool in Portland And as much as he didn't want to take any credit for the questions we were asking him today about his defense um it's clear that he knows where to go he has flexibility when i asked him specifically why his defensive rating with cat was eight and a half points better than anyone else's paired defensive rating with cat i thought his his first words were really you know, revealing. He said we could both guard one through five. What that means is, I could switch with him down on the paint. Is what you know. One of the things you would say there, and right. um, you know, I don't know how many other people were switching with Cat down on the paint, um, or you know, how much of it necessarily correlates to um, you know, as he, you know, as I pointed out, 198 minutes. He said, well, that's really not much of a sample size. So,
1: you know, maybe it's nothing so what, what I would point to, and I actually I did a pod by myself the other day, and I just kind of went through all the options at the four and the five around cat and and you know the the one thing I took into was this layman number that that you love, and it does stick out right and and what what I did when I went for it is I went and or went through it is isolated for the fourteen games Jake layman played at the beginning of the year that make up all one hundred and ninety eight of his minutes with towns, and it is. He did have a plus 6.2 you know, net rating with Cat there, and that's very good. It was, however, in that period of time, not the best defensive rating of all of the players. Cat's defensive rating with Josh Kogi was better than that, and Jarrett Culver's was about the same. So I don't think that means that Jake Lehman and Cat are not a good defensive pairing. I just think when we extrapolate that over the entire season – we're taking some credit away from probably the other two best defenders on this team who are Josh Okokie and Jarrett Culver. I think that that's what those stats more say. So I would put them in that bin with, with Jake Lehman there as players who fit next to cat defensively in a different way. You're right. The, I mean, it's not the the switching down low guarding the the two bigs, but it is, they're good defenders, solid defenders.
2: Without looking it up because I don't know, I'm going to guess that Jake Lehman's defensive rating after he came back from injury, when both Okogie and Culver got minutes, was as good or better than those two guys. That that
1: would require some typing by me that I'm not going That's to all do. Right. But I... but what,
2: my point is, you can't throw Jake Lehman under the bus because all he had were these minutes early. There were also minutes. Granted, Towns wasn't on the floor, but Culver and Okogie were on the floor, and Culver and Okogie's defensive rating doesn't come close to Jake Lehman's defensive rating. It just doesn't. Jake Lehman's defensive rating for the season was 104.5. You know, their defensive ratings were. I think Culver's like 112, and and that was actually pretty good by Wolves standards. And, Okogi was up around one second. That's
1: because they played 40 more games than Lehman.
2: And what happened I mean, in those 40 games?
1: They were the, the team was. I think it would have been bad if Lehman was there, too. They were losing 13 but straight probably games. Probably I mean, better. Probably probably better. I'm I mean, just saying they belong point. in the same group. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, would... I, I guess what I'm saying is Josh Okogi does have a lot of minutes out there, and Jarrett Culver does, too. And their minutes next to Cat aren't very good. They also had the benefit of playing those minutes when Gorgie Jang was on the floor instead of Cat, when the defense was actually, as a team defense, was very, very good.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point. Don't you see, let's put stats aside, do you disagree with me that they are the second and third best defenders on this roster?
2: You mean, well, I actually think that I would put...
1: Maybe Ed Davis is in the mix now too?
2: I, I, I think there's like five guys who you could regard as at least mediocre defenders: Ricky Rubio, Ed Davis.
1: Oh yeah, Rubio. Yeah.
2: Ronnie Hollis, Jefferson. Um, uh, I would put Okogie in there, although his numbers are not that good. And Culver, I would put in there, and I would put Lehman in there. I would put Jordan McLaughlin in there; his numbers were pretty good. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm saying put
1: the numbers aside. Right. Talk about watching them. All
2: right. Well, watching, I think O'Kogee's eye test is always better than his numbers. O'Kogee looks great, but as he pointed out in 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 the presser he did with us just the other day, his aggression gets him in trouble. You know, sometimes it's kinda of like cat in that respect. Sometimes he is not he's not solid and then he's not enough.
1: That's fair. No, I I, I think and that's That's something he needs to work through this year in, you know.
2: But that's the problem with the eye test is what I'm saying. You want me to disregard the numbers. And I agree. But defense is such a weird thing. I tend to trust defensive numbers more than, you know. I mean, we know so little about defense. Um, We know that it's a five-person game. Uh, We know Robert Covington was phenomenal next to Cat as a three and terrible next to Cat as a four. Uh, under different systems, obviously. Um, but yes, when it comes to watching people, if you're asking me who I want to have on the other team's best wing scorer in a do or die situation, odds are I will put a kobe on him. Not Jake Lehman, not Ricky Rubio. I think Joshua Kogi is probably the best on-ball defender on the team.
1: What, where, what is Culver good at
2: defensively? Culver seems to be really good at, at using his length for deflections and closing off drives, in my opinion. Now he doesn't right. have, unfortunately, he doesn't have the bulk. Maybe this year, because he does look noticeably bigger. Um, right. Maybe that that helps him. Um, he also seems to be somebody, and I'm sure it's a lot of it has to. B because he played in an incredibly structured system but he does like structure on defense you know Mm -hmm. and so i think that um and as does layman i think those guys are system guys and i think that the way the wolves are looking at things um maybe system guys are the best way to go if you can get good system guys you know Mm -hmm.
1: Let's take a quick break and then we will move into, I want to move into the Anthony Edwards
0: topic.
2: Love to.
1: Hey, yeah. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear, Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at indeed.com/bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com/bluewire. Offer valid through the December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Yeah. Britt, what are you, um, what are you looking for from Anthony Edwards at the beginning of the season? What do you think a reasonable role is to expect from him, um, given this really short run-up? And what, what do you want a reasonably optimized Anthony Edwards to look like?
2: Okay, uh, remember how I said I don't know if I said this to you on, on microphone or not, but <laughs> these projections will be all about biases. It will be all about what we imagine, we know. I will tell you that, to me thus far, the most pleasant thing I've seen on all these little tea leaves that we're reading in B-roll films and all this other stuff is Anthony Edwards. I think that his interviews have been, the, the, the guy that I read about in that ESPN story, uh, you know, damaged by losing people in his family, not caring about basketball, rather be a football player or whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. seemed totally at odds with the three or four press conferences given beginning with the night he was drafted. Um, I think he's confident. I think that he is willing to do things on defense. I happen to think that, um, I think I said this to you last time we were on a pod, vanterpool is the most important person in Edwards's uh, upside this season, I think. Just because totally I think that he has the uh, athletic ability to play defense. and Vanderpool has the ability to really pump up athletic guys. He loves guys with big upsides. He tried it with it Wiggins last year and it worked for a while. He definitely it did.
1: I, I think that's the thing to focus on is yeah. the the Wiggins, I mean, Wiggins really did connect to him exactly. and, and, and I don't know if that's, I mean, that's something you can't really know or see just by watching the games, but I think you did a big story on Vantapool from talking to him about that, or just right. from some of those conversations, you know, you have sort of off the record is much of Wiggins's like self-recognition of what he has to do was, I'm not not to take away from Ryan because I think that was probably part of the process too. Right. But Vanterpool was his guy, right. And it's clearly intentional a move, and I think Gerson Rosas would probably say this is this is the ace in his hand is he's got Vanterpool to kind of the Vanterpool card to play on on Anthony Edwards and. It it makes sense to me that Edwards would find a connection with Vantapool from what I can gather about the way he is and carries himself extremely confident and you know and not necessarily willing to, you know, bend over to to these, you know, higher profile sort of guys. They right. obviously there's the Lillard and the McCollum right. and examples from the past. All I think- of these
2: things are exactly what I think. And that's why I'm enthusiastic. I'm also enthusiastic by his whole mean, his, his demeanor with all this. He really does feel like somebody, I mean, he, it's a cliche, but to hear the number one pick in the draft say, I'm going to star in whatever role I have is should be music to the ears of all Wolves fans. I mean, that, because I will tell you right now, um, because we were talking about, how things would evolve. He will start on the bench and will not get a lot of minutes, simply because it's the best thing for chemistry. You need Beasley to get minutes. You need Rubio and Delo to both get minutes to, beside each other. That is going to be a point of emphasis because those three guys are how you get out of the gate quickly. Um, and Edwards can afford to be the odd man out because there's all kinds of excuses for bringing him along slowly. He's a rookie. He's 19. He hasn't had the benefit of summer league or training camp, da 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 da, da.
1: Yeah, you can kind of talk him into that. You can be like, oh, yeah, we know you're going to. It's just, just we're going to treat the first 15 games of the season as preseason.
2: He said when he came, you know, that the whole thing about what the Wolves said to him that made him relax with the Timberwolves if you read between the lines, they said, hey, look, we know you're gonna be a really good player and we have a long-term plan to make you that. Uh, I think he's trusting in that. And, and and I hope that both sides can live up to that agreement in terms of it being something. But I do think that you need the three-point shooting. Let's face it, you know, Ryan, I, I asked Ryan today about uh, what his first game standards will be. And it was the same as last season, which is fine. I mean, I'm not knocking it, but it's like shot selection, passing the Mm -hmm. ball. It's all gonna be about, if not five out, it's gonna be about um, being the kind of modern space and pace offense that gets the best shots for people, so on and so forth. Well, that is Beasley, Rubio and D'Lo, at least to start. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get momentum. That's how you show the example. That's how things go along. And meanwhile, Edwards can be working on his defense and can be knocking down shots every now and then. Can also be a guy who does, you know, the back cuts when he's in the second unit with Rubio. Uh, can can hit the mid-range every now and then. Um, and work on his three. But more importantly for me, he's going to be defending big wings. And I think I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to... A blank sheet of paper perhaps being a good defender. Uh despite, you know, because college, let's face it, you know, Wiggins and Towns were regarded as plus defenders coming out of college. College doesn't tell you anything about who's gonna be a really good defender in the NBA, I think. It's a very, very different game.
1: If they have the athletic profile, yeah, it's it can go both ways. I mean, Ben Simmons is the other one. Right. Ben Simmons was given the same labels Anthony Edwards has been given as what w- when he came out, you know, and and I think and I'm not saying Edwards is Ben Simmons, but athletically, right? I mean, right. that's kind of the idea that you've drafted a, a freak right. that is going to be able to, you know, grow into that on on both sides of the ball. The thing, the thing that I think is going to be tricky with Ant is that he he hasn't ever played basketball this way. Mm-hmm. He's, he hasn't been the non, not the guy, you know, and obviously at Georgia, we know that, but there's the same thing in high school, AAU, that sort of thing that what does that it, it sounds good and it feels good. And he probably thinks it's the right thing to say. This is this, these guys team. I'm going to accept this role. What happens when it, it, it stops working or or you've gone through the first, you know, ten games of the season and only scored seventy eight points total. You know, but right. what 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 happened you know, what happens then? And and that that is another unknowable thing because we can't we don't know what's going on in Anthony Edwards' brain, but he's never played basketball like this before.
2: Well and I'm the original chemistry this, this team is screwed up chemistry-wise uh, on paper anyway. So, I mean, I, what, you're saying, off. What, what you're saying is kind of uh, music to my ears, except I think if there is an exception, it might be Edwards. I worry far more about D'Lo, Rubio, and Beasley than I worry about Edwards. Because to your point, and again, I I'm, mean, I'm rephrase, this is my bias because we don't know shit we don't know what's going on (laughs) we're we're projecting everything i mean we haven't seen this guy play competitively in the nba or any timberwolf play competitively aside from the free agents they were created for or acquired or whatever but i think it's an advantage what if uh what if Edwards had played for, uh, Sacramento last year, run and gun, and he'd had a year's worth of quote unquote NBA experience. I think it'd be worse coming into this situation than he is now, you know, just not having anything. I think he is unfinished and the Timberwolves resisted chances to trade. They are putting a pretty big marker down on this guy. Um, the relationship with Vanderpool is very encouraging to me. His attitude is very encouraging to me. His ability to perhaps be a good defender, just physically, six six two thirty, that's pretty good. You know, I mean, uh, all this talk about okogi at the four, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I think that uh,
1: – No, I, I don't think that will be an Edwards thing because eventually if Edwards is optimized – you know, a couple years down the road, it's going to be as a a primary creator on offense Mm -hmm. with a Kogi. You can slide him into that because the primary creator thing was, has a 0% chance of ever happening. It's not his game. Right. Right. And, and that's why I think we'll hear not only here, but see Ryan do that. Some, it's why we won't see that with Jared Culver. It's why we won't see it with, with Anthony Edwards or or really anyone else, because part of this is still development, particularly for the young guys. And if you just decide to make Jared Culver, uh, you know, a power forward, you're like, well, you've just punted. You know, you've just punted on what his
2: college skill set was. Again, this is going to sound way overstated. So let's not jump to conclusions. It's a way of talking about it. Could Edwards become a poor man's Kawhi? Sure. He's got the physical strength, you know, maybe nobody has Kawhi's physical strength, but – Kawhi didn't have it his first couple of years. He's obviously... I
1: get what you're getting at, yeah.
2: And he's got a mid-range game. He's got a uh, explosiveness off the dribble that is born of sinew as much as it is quickness. Um, I mean, those are some of the loose skill sets that you, you know, think about with Kawhi. Um, obviously, the defense... This is a guy who came into the league, uh, in, in Edwards, as uh, everybody says... The reason he's not being drafted high is because if, if there is a reason is he can't play defense. So, and I, again,
1: Kawhi also has six more inches of wingspan on him. Kawhi, Kawhi is physically built freakishly to be a defender on top of great instincts on top of great, you know, physical right, right. instincts as, as well too. So, but I, I think, so I think what, it's what more getting at is at won't the be offense. Kawhi, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not going to put that out. Right. Him. Um, we're already kind of flying through this, Britt. Uh, let's get let's get to the Delo, um, Malik, and Ricky topic here okay. in a second. We're going to cut off this episode. And I'm going to turn it into a uh, you know a part a part two that will come out the next day. So if you're listening to this now, it should be um, in your feed shortly. Britt and I will continue to move on there for today. Peace out.
2: How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it off so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.